Okay, we're heading tonight to Matthew chapter 13. Continuing to uh, walk as Jesus walked in this, these chronological steps that Jesus made, teaching in order what he taught, trying to understand the connections of the things that he did. But in Matthew chapter 13, we begin a, an, an unbelievable discourse. I'm not sure that there's any more uh, profound teaching within the Gospels than we find within Matthew chapter 13. Jesus revealed things within these parables that were hidden from some because they didn't have the mind or the heart or the spirit to see it. And to many others who did have the ears to hear, they could clearly understand. Matthew 13 contains seven or eight or nine parables, depending on how you combine them and count them. So uh, it's going to take just a little bit of time to get through these. But we're going to begin tonight with the first parable found within Matthew 13, beginning with verse 1. The same day when Jesus went out of, his, out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and he sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and, and forthwith they sprang up, because they had no deepness of earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So here is the beginning of this parable. And thankfully, we have the disciples who are also listening to this and who began to question Jesus about why he spoke in parables and what did these parables mean. And so we jump down to verse 18, and he begins to answer this question. He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and understands it not, then comes the, the wicked one, and catches away that which was sown in the heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and anon with joy receives it, yet has no root in himself, but, but endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed unto the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, which also bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So just briefly, we go back to the parable that we used last week from Luke about the Lord coming into a vineyard and expecting to find fruit on this tree. And the tree had been taken care of and nurtured for three years. And the Lord of the vineyard says, if it's not going to bear fruit, 
cut it down. And we understand how the tender of the, the vineyard comes to the Lord and says, let me have one more year. Let me have one more year to put fertilizer around it, to water it, to nurture it. Let me have one more year. And then if after that year comes and there's no fruit, then we'll cut it down. And that was what happened. When we understand this is what hits us immediately, was that God had prepared a place within that vineyard. He didn't say he went out to the streets. It didn't say he went out into the pastures. It didn't say he went out into the fields. It says he was walking in a vineyard because within that vineyard, he had done those things necessary. He had planted, he had taken care of it. He had done everything necessary for three years and that fruit, that tree should have been bearing fruit. So we begin to understand what he's talking about in that parable. One is that he is, he looks in those places where fruit should be being produced, where fruit should be expected. When he comes into that place, he ought to see the evidence of that fruit. So we begin to understand he's, because he speaks of the fig tree, he's speaking of Israel in general, but he also, because of our association, because we're grafted in, he's also speaking of the church. He's not saying that out in the world he's disappointed or even expects there to be any fruit that is born out there. He's not saying that in some organization that that's where he's going expecting fruit. But when he comes into this place, when he comes into within the church, he should be able to quickly, easily recognize that the fruit is being produced because he's planted it, he's taken care of it, he's nurtured it, and he ought to be able to walk into this place with expectation, find fruit. The women's Bible study last night stepped in and they had a question for me because there is a, a sentence in there that says something like this, that without miracles, you can't see the true and correct nature of Jesus. And they asked me about it. And this was my answer, that Jesus, his life, the reality of the Holy Spirit created in him an identity that, is, that was directly associated with those things supernatural. He has within him a supernatural Holy Spirit who is capable of all things of God. How do you then know the nature of Jesus who holds the Holy Spirit if there's no miracles demonstrating the reality of the supernatural? That make sense? If there's a supernatural reality in him, wouldn't there be an expression of that supernatural reality out of him as he touched other people and his miracles were performed? Without the miracles, you can't truly understand Jesus. Let there be light. And then I made this strange statement. And exactly the same thing is true about us. If there is not a supernatural reality about us, about the ministry, about our voice, about, about our hands, about our heart, about our feet. If there's no supernatural fruit, no supernatural ministry, or no supernatural reality coming out of us, then what would anybody believe about the Holy Spirit who says he'd come to take up residence in us? That he would be less than a supernatural God. He would be less, he'd be a nice guy maybe. There would be no supernatural reality about God if there's no supernatural fruit coming out of us. God has a perfect expectation that he should be able to walk into a place where he has established his presence, where he's given the Holy Spirit and say, I expect when I come in to find the fruit of that Holy Spirit present. And we understand in that story, and this is, I shared this last week, I believe that First Baptist Church sundown is not in that first three-year period. 
I believe Sundown First Baptist Church is in that last year when there was a, a question asked, if I take care of it, if I nurture it, if I put manure around it, I'm gonna, I want to give it one more opportunity to grow. I want to give it one more opportunity to bear fruit because if it doesn't this time, I'll cut it down. I believe we, we're living in that last year. I believe God is asking us now, are we going to bear fruit or not? I have given you the Holy Spirit. I have equipped you with power. You understand authority. Is there going to be evidence now of a supernatural reality that I've come into this church? And I'm grateful to say that, especially if you were here Sunday night, you began to see very specifically the move of the Holy Spirit and fruit of that reality. It was here, present, and moving. It's the first time, and I can tell you it was amazing, to watch the body work. Suddenly, within this congregation, on Sunday night, the left hand was fully aware of the right hand. I didn't preach. It was just unbelievable to watch the body react to itself and respond to itself as God was moving. It was truly spectacular on Sunday night. just haven't seen that. I'm glad to be able to say that there is fruit coming out of this, but I want to ask you specifically, what is the supernatural fruit coming out of you? We are a composite. We are a corporate body, but we're made up of individuals and the expectation, and I know that this gets so immediately dismissed within religion today. First of all, we don't want to talk about supernatural. We want to talk about just being good people. We want to, be, we want to talk about being ethical and being moral. Those are all great indications that you've got something going on, but, but a lost world can be moral. A lost world can be ethical. A lost world can be giving in some measure. If there's no supernatural reality, then we just simply learn to exist the way the rest of the world exists. I'm saying if we don't have the supernatural reality, then we're not releasing the, the, the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I'm not questioning anybody's salvation. I'm questioning that we haven't ever even taught that the expectation is that when I'm saved and I'm given the Holy Spirit, that there should be the reality of that supernatural life. And it can come in the, the strangest and smallest ways. If you touch somebody's hand and they're discouraged or they're alone and you touch someone's hand and there's a transfer from you to them of joy or peace or understanding or calm, that was a supernatural moment. Because in and of yourself, you can't do that. In and of myself, I can't, I have no ability to change your situation or change your circumstance. But because of the Holy Spirit in me, then when we touch hands or we embrace and your story gets changed because of that moment, that's a supernatural reality. What cannot be explained out of me and my resources has to be accredited to God. And most of the time, those are such small things, but they're nonetheless supernatural. But we also can't deny the fact that we are designed to bring a supernatural reality. If the church doesn't do it, who's going to do it? Remember, Jesus told us, he says, I'm going away, but greater things will you do. And then in the beginning of Acts, he says, this is what I started to do, but this is what you're going to continue to do. I have done these things, and now I'm equipping you so that th those things I started can continue in you. Somehow somebody figured out how we can erase the clear assignment and the definition that Jesus gave us that we were to continue the supernatural start that he had started, and we're to continue it through the rest of the church age. I don't know how to disconnect them. I don't know how to separate them when Jesus makes those clear statements that greater things will we do. 
Anybody tried to do anything great lately without the Holy Spirit? Truly great? Not possible. That truly is impossible. I believe I saw this happening yesterday. I was with Sula in the hospital, and Glenn and Patty were taking care of some business. So it was just the two of us, and I was just sitting there beside her holding her hand, and the chaplain came in. And he was from Taiwan, spoke very broken English. But uh, he came in and started talking to her and had looked on her records that she was Baptist. He started talking to her. He had his iPad and he had music recorded on there and he sang hymns to her with that iPad. It was just amazing and, then, and we joined him. But as he was singing, Sula was lying there, had her hand like this. And that spoke so much to him. And he said, I see you're praising your Lord. And she said, yes, yes, I am. And he began speaking over her. You are a benchmark in your family. God is not through with you yet. You're 83. This is the eighth year of your life. She said, I'm, I want to live to be 100. And he said, I believe that that will happen. I believe that that will happen because you're a benchmark for your family. And God has more for you to share with your family, Melissa. And he was just speaking. And so we were both just taking it all in. And when he left, she said, do you think he knew he was speaking prophetically over me? I said, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. God was here and God spoke. And that's why we teach that the Christian life is not about what we do. It's about what we release. It's what happens from us that requires no effort. That's the beauty of this supernatural reality, because if I started trying to do supernatural things, what would happen? Nothing. When I accept the supernatural reality that God has made me, the identity that he's given me, he will begin to release supernatural things from me that require no effort. I want to tell you, when we arrive at that point, we are truly blessed people. We are truly blessed when the miraculous becomes the very natural way that we begin to express our life. Supernatural bothers a lot of folks. It has been removed from the church. There is no expectation of supernatural. There's no expectation that anything is going to happen that can't simply be explained because there was a good sermon and people emotionally responded and this is what happened. I want to tell you, that is not in the scripture. Listen to this parable. Who is that sower going out? Who is the sower sowing the seed? Well, fortunately, because later in chapter 13, we're given that answer that the Son of Man, Jesus, is the sower. And he goes out and he makes it very, very clear. And this is, again, this is the, the difficulty of religion. As I shared with you on Sunday morning, if there is no gift of prophecy within the body, if there's no prophet connecting God's future to our current situation, if there's no one who's bringing a relevant truth about what God's plan is for us that we can't yet see for ourselves, if the prophet doesn't bring it, all we're left with is trying to reestablish, reinvent our current situation. And that's why we see people trying to do so many creative things in church is because they're trying to reinvent the current situation and just make it better and more acceptable. Well, please notice from this parable that there was only one sower and it was only one kind of seed with multiple soil. What religion has become today is, yes, we may believe that there's one sower, but we try to repackage the seed and offer multiple kinds of seed, believing there's only one kind of soil. 
That's why we ask pastors and music directors and praise and worship leaders to repackage what's going on, to come up with different versions and different ways of saying this because we strangely believe that I'm responsible for marketing. This is a product trying to sell Jesus and I have the mentality that if, I, if this seed doesn't work, get another seed, improve it, make it flashier, you know, put it, put it on a big screen somewhere, do something with it to make it more acceptable. And Jesus is telling us in this parable, there is one sower and there is one seed and there's multiple types of soil. What does that mean to us? What difference does it make? Well, one of the worst things that could ever happen in this church or any other is if we start from that pulpit somehow believing that I have to preach a sermon that is acceptable to someone who's lost. That would be the worst thing that I could possibly do from that pulpit is to begin to believe that I needed to preach a sermon that is going to be acceptable to the people here who don't know God. Why? Because the things of God have to be spiritually understood. The Holy Spirit is responsible for touching their life. The Holy Spirit is is responsible for bringing conviction. And if I ever start adjusting a sermon, like on Easter Sunday morning, knowing that there may be people here who are lost, if I adjust that sermon to speak to the lost people, hoping somehow that, that some are touched, hoping that they're not offended, hoping that somehow it's pleasing to them, I guarantee we just missed the mark. I will not adjust believing that I can remarket this story and make it pleasing believing that there's only one kind of soil. Jesus makes it very clear. I will not change the story. I will not remarket this truth. I will not adjust it. I will not adapt it. There is one voice, one spirit that speaks truth. He speaks it through us. It says here that we are actually the seed. What God has planted in us is the seed. The truth that the Holy Spirit brings to us, the, Holy, the truth that we release, is the seed put into the world. And there's going to be multiple reactions to it. And it should not shock me, and I hope it doesn't shock any of us, that some of that seed is going to fall on soil and the birds are going to come and pick it up. And those are not good birds. There's going to be some seed that's going to fall on soil that the soil is so shallow that it's going to spring up quickly because it gets the moisture quickly, but it can't put down a root and it's going to wither and it's going to dry. And I want to tell you, this Christian world is full of exactly those kind of people. And then he says there are going to be those who are planted and they're going to be planted along with the tares, along with the weeds. They're going to come up and they're going to be choked out. And he says, but there are some, there are a few, that that seed is going to fall on fertile ground And you're going to watch them bear fruit. You're going to see them bear fruit a hundred times or 60 times or 30 times over. And he says, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Most of the Christian world is sitting before God just like this. Saying, I dare you to talk to me. Hands firmly over their ears. Having no desire to hear anything that they don't currently believe anything that would make them uncomfortable, anything that would take them out out of what they currently know. And and it's so strange, so strange, because Jesus is saying things to people here, and it's rocking their world. He's saying things here that they have never heard before. He's speaking these things for the first time. And he's confessing before us right now that there are going to be many who absolutely refuse to hear the truth. 
There's going to be many whose hearts are not ready to receive what I'm going to tell you. And I want to tell you this statement that he makes at the end. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. How long do you think we're supposed to keep our ears open? When is he going to say, okay, shut your ears now because I'm through teaching you. When is that supposed to occur in our life? Absolutely never. If you've stopped learning, if you've stopped listening, if you've stopped hearing, and and the reality of God to take you beyond what you currently know, then you've got your hands over your ears, and Jesus is describing you as one of those three other types of soil. Do you think Jesus is mincing words here? Do you think he was pressing in? Do you think he was addressing some issues that were sitting squarely in front of him? Remember what he just got through saying about the fig tree that was going to be cut down? What happens to those who read this and don't take this seriously? What's going to happen? You're going to be cut down. Don't be surprised. You're going to be cut down. It doesn't make God unjust. It makes him real. It makes him absolutely certain that if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to send my son to die, so that when I look at you, instead of seeing your sin, I'm going to see his blood. If I'm going to do that, if I'm going to begin this with that step, and then I'm going to follow that by giving you myself in the form of the Holy Spirit so that he can indwell you, so that you can hear my voice, so that in in obedience you can respond. If I'm going to do that, is it not a realistic expectation then that you're going to bear fruit a hundred times? or 60 times, or 30 times beyond what's expected. If I'm going to pay that price, if I'm going to give you those gifts, if I'm going to establish you in that truth, is it realistic for God to believe and expect a supernatural reality from each of us? Absolutely. I don't know how you can say no. How could you say no if he's going to give us his son, give us the Holy Spirit, Give us the instruction. Give us the guidance and say, greater things are you going to do. I told you from the beginning, I wasn't going to teach this and preach this according to those things that we've always said. And always, I, I kept waiting for the specifics of this. And this is when, from this scripture, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to pay careful attention. One sower, one seed, multiple soils. Because Christianity, the church today, keeps believing. I'm responsible for sowing different types of seed hoping that one of them take hold in this soil. We cannot remarket the story. I am not a salesman. I am not standing up there trying to overcome consumer resistance to try to get you to buy something that is in this word. And the minute that I take that step, trying to sell it, I was just watching a church service, and I'm sitting there listening to it. And it was well-spoken. It was factually correct. And I realized at the end, all that had been done was that he had taken a familiar passage, told again what that passage meant with absolutely no expectation that it would transform someone's life. It was a good sermon. And even from the pastor, you could tell there was no expectation that the Holy Spirit was going to release something from that truth that was going to transform a life. And the sad part was that the congregation expected only the good sermon, went away content that that's all God had intended for that morning. I just, I can't apologize, but I can never accept that again. I can't come here without believing that God has a desire to touch people's lives supernaturally and see them transformed. 
Look at this transformed life. 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 I can't come expecting that God will do less. Yeah, just expect more. Freedom from addictions and struggles and the things that, that the world throws at us. If they can't walk in here and expect transformation, where are we going to send them? Where is the world going to go? This is the vineyard. God says, I ought to be able to walk in here and find fruit on every tree. Because I've made it a place where fruit is expected. And I've planted the seed. And if it's not going to produce fruit, cut it down. I want to draw attention to one more thing and we're going to be dismissed. Because this is, there's a lot hangs in this truth. The parables that he speaks in Matthew chapter 13 all refer to life in the kingdom. You know, he doesn't say it at the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 13, but in the explanation down in verse 18, in verse 19, Hear you therefore the parable of the sowers, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So we know that he's talking about kingdom life. This is not a message about salvation. This is not a message to those who are lost. As strange as that sounds, Jesus is not trying to say, I want to talk to you about lost people. He's talking to us about people who already live and exist and whose names are registered in the kingdom. Within the church, we find these four types of soil. So within the church, we're finding these four things happening. Christian people who we wonder, why is there no fruit? Christian people who sometime a long time ago seem to have disappeared. Some whose faith seems to have withered and died and they have no interest in God anymore. But he's clearly articulating that this is a reality of life within the kingdom. That would be hard for us to process, perhaps, if we didn't see all four types within the body today. Those who used to come and we wonder what happened to them. Those who started strong, very determined, and after a few weeks or a few months or a few years seem to have disappeared. See, Jesus is addressing us. He's talking to us. If you walked away from this knowing that, what do you think Jesus would be asking you to do if he's, if he's going to say to you at the end, if you have ears to hear, please hear? He's given us four things here. Which one do you think he wants us to be? It's not tricky. Be the fertile ground. Be the one who will receive the truth. Be the one who will take that truth and let it grow deep and let it produce fruit. Take what he's giving. Jesus told us in John 14, 15, and 16, again, I'm going away. There's just one of me. For this to continue, I've got to go away. But this is what I'm going to do for you in my place. I'm going to send my equal. I'm going to send myself, God, not in bodily form this time. I'm going to send myself to you in the form of the spirit of truth. He's saying, you have accepted me as your savior. Accept me as the spirit. Accept me as your authority. Accept me as your power. It's not confusing. It's not difficult. He's simply saying, I've equipped you. I've made you ready to produce fruit. It's 100% dependent on how open is our heart, how ready is our spirit to receive that truth. Because the only way to produce the fruit that he's talking about, as he's describing and saying, please hear this. If you have ears, please listen to this. The only way to produce that is to be soil capable of receiving, fully 
and totally the entire truth that I want to put in you and let it bear fruit. Again, I would be very confused about this if we didn't have passages like Galatians chapter 5 that says, this is the fruit of the Spirit, not what I produce. This is what the Spirit produces. Goodness, kindness, love, joy, patience, virtue, long-suffering. All of those things, he's saying, that's what the Spirit I put in you is going to produce, and it requires no effort on your part. All it requires is an acceptance. You accept it, I'll produce it. One sower, one seed, one messenger, one truth, many soils. He's just asking, be the last one. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to this passage and look forward to the next ones where you continue this beautiful story within the parables. But I pray, Lord, that as your instruction was to them, I pray it will be to us. Let those who have ears, those who have ears willing to listen, let them hear. You aren't talking about just hearing the verbal part. You are speaking of hearing what the truth that you were telling and receiving the truth that you were sharing. And I pray, Lord, within this body, you'll find person after person after person who is found within that final soil, open and ready, willing to receive that truth so that it can bear fruit of that truth so that others can see it, eat of it, and that the story will continue. Thank you for the parable. Thank you for the picture. In Jesus' name, amen.